This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Today on Dreamland, we're going to have a fairly, for me, seems to be a fairly unusual show. We're talking to Dennis Nappy II and Don de Curcel, who have the distinction of becoming involved in remote viewing my implant. A very interesting remote viewing session to me, and I think it's going to be to you, too, because, uh, well, you'll see. Uh, Don is a remote viewer. He's a member of a group of eight remote viewers known as the Hellfire Remote Viewing Group. And Dennis is the coordinator of the group. And uh, Dennis, can you let's begin by you telling us a little bit about the group and mm -hmm. how it came about. Absolutely. Um, Hellfire was founded by uh, my teacher, mentor and, and good friend, Daz Smith. Daz has been involved in remote viewing for 20 plus 30 years. Um, I work with Daz on some other projects pretty regularly. And Daz wanted to branch out and explore the more esoteric, more obscure types of targets as opposed to your more traditional, um, you know, current events, world events, uh, financial institutions. Daz wanted to explore those things where there's no limit on, on what we can look at. Um, so he pulled a group of us in that he's a lot of us. He's trained himself to just create this club to have some fun and explore things. So we rotate every time we have a new target. We have a different um, project manager for your particular target. I was the project manager. Uh, so I selected this target. Uh, Whitley, I've been a fan of, of your work and your journey for a very long time. Your communion book sat on my bookshelf when I was a kid growing up terrified me for so long just staring at that face uh, as my mom had it but when i finally got old enough to have the courage to read it uh, I, it just resonated so much with me uh, and in a lot of the work that we've been doing and things i've been learning as a remote viewer and as an author um, the implant fascinates me and i thought what a great opportunity for the remote viewers to take a look at this implant to maybe get another piece of the puzzle in terms of uh, maybe who the visitors are and what their intentions are and also what impact does that have on people that receive these devices in, in this case specifically you uh, so the viewers very, I, I was very specific with my targeting with the team to look at your implant at the moment that it was implanted and the intentionality behind that and what the team brought so they, back they knew saw. the target before they started no no well, that so as correct yeah so with remote viewing the tasker uh, is aware of what the target is. The viewers are what we call blind to the target. So what I do is I, I create a, a number that's it's I use a random number generator. Um, so I have no conscious affiliation with any meanings or subconscious meanings behind these numbers. It's just a random eight digit code that I come up with. Uh, I use Google to do that. And that's all the viewers get. Hey, there's a new target issued. Here's the target ID. And they just go to work using those coordinates that guides their their consciousness to what the target is based on what I said is the tasking. And when their data comes in, I'll guide them in terms of, hey, on page five, you mentioned this. Tell me more about that. But they don't know anything about the target until the project is done. And then I reveal, hey, here's what you were looking at. Um, so they had no clue where they were going and what they were looking at. It, it prevents that imagination piece from coming into play right. if they knew anything about you. So Don, how did you get started in remote viewing? Well, um, I'm a retired software engineer and I worked most of my life in the telecommunications industry. Um, 
uh, and I've had a lifelong interest in the paranormal. Uh, thought, I'd have that, I've had thought-provoking experiences all of my life. Um, I guess I started out with, uh, in my teenage years with uh, a Ouija board experience, which truly blew my mind, and maybe we'll get into a little bit, bit of that later on. Um, and then later on, as I got into meditation, I started experiencing like uh, noises in the rooms, taps on the walls, physical phenomena that sounded actually, Whitley, very similar to what you were describing in your YouTube lectures. Yeah, that we've talked about that, and we're going to get into that a little bit more later uh, because it is similar, and it's it's I think it's important because it is the way a certain level of this whole experience communicates with people and you, you need to learn to you or you can learn if you wish to use it and to mm -hmm. use it as a the same way it's it's to, to communicate with it pretty much on its level now uh dennis when you got the notes back from the remote viewers was it clear to you that they had hit the target or did all of them hit the target? How did that work? Yeah, it was, it was very clear um, that they were making contact. They were bringing back images of what looked like, and, and across all the viewers, there was crossover data. So again, like they had no idea what they were working, yet these independent sessions are coming in and they had a lot of similarities. There were these small devices that were being drawn. And even though the shape might've been slightly different on these devices, they all had these extensions coming out, these roots, these tendrils, and they were describing that. Um, they were describing uh, a telepathic communication coming from this device, working with one mind to the mind of a higher intelligence. Um, you know, describing these beings and maybe their purpose and how they work with what we think is the human race, um, you know, in, in the evolutionary process. Um, so, yes, there was a lot of data where I'm looking at that and going, wow, this is incredible. This is this is right in line with uh, with what the tasking was. Yeah, I was pretty stunned when I saw the data. I have to tell you, as all eight of them basically hit the target. Mm hmm. Now, is that usual in your remote viewing? Do they usually all hit the target? I'd say yes. I mean, we, we all have. And, and with remote viewing, you know, you get out of it what you put into it. And even, But even the best remote viewers have bad days. And, and remote viewing, as a caveat, is is one way of gathering information. It's, it's not the end-all, be-all, 100% accuracy. There's always noise in all of your sessions. Um, you know, so I wanted, there's a lot of variables that come into play, but the team that we're working with, we've had, we've been pretty good with uh, pulling back relevant data to our taskings. You know, it's interesting. I've known Hal Pudoff and Russell Targ both many mm -hmm. years and uh, yeah. have been involved in one way or another with uh, the remote viewing program off and on for most mm -hmm. of my adult life. But I'm not a good remote viewer. And... Mm. Once the implant was in, that was just over. I can't remote view at all anymore. It's as if it's blocked. Mm -hmm. But apparently the the signal isn't blocked, only me. So yeah. uh, I want now this is going to be a kind of an outlier question. Mm -hmm. These radios, this type of radio, it's tuned. It's a little ordinary uh handheld communicator it's tuned to the frequency 144.1 and my listeners know about this uh there is a 
a uh, there, uh, there was a man named Mark Sims who used to be active in this field and isn't much anymore, but he introduced me to these radios and said that you could use um, your mind to get the radio to uh, respond at 144.1 megahertz. And we were at his house and fooling around with the radios and we found that this was true. You could get the radios to respond. This is a frequency that's almost unused. It used to be the Morse code frequency and it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's, you know, you can be on it for hours and you hear nothing, but, right. but, and so I got a couple of the radios and brought them here. Now, in anywhere outside of this apartment, when you turn on one of these radios at 144.1, it's basically silent, just silent. Inside this apartment, this happens. Frequency mode. Yeah. Of course, it's playing games with me now. This reminds me of the movie Signs, Willie. <laughs> In what way? I didn't see the movie signs. Oh, uh, they they use a baby monitor and it hears ET communication as indicators of uh, their presence, and it <laughs> well, sounds like usually, clicking it, sounds. This is this is a relatively low activity level. It'll pick up probably yeah. if I leave it on. But in any case, if I walk out of the apartment, if I step out on the deck, it right. goes completely silent. Mm -hmm. Now, does that have anything to do? Or can you conceive of it having anything to do with what you do? Because there's some kind of a signal. It's not just a radio signal. Mm -hmm. If it was a radio right. signal, I'd, you'd hear it all around. You'd, it'd still right. be outside. But it's so confined to this apartment. And yeah. uh, therefore, it's not a radio signal. Also, well, you can I, have two of these yeah. radios in your hand side by side, and they begin to, uh, they begin to, to uh, react differently to two different mm. signals and that's yeah. impossible too right uh well I, you know in terms of what we do with remote viewing we're still not sure exactly how it works we have our own yeah. experiences and theories and there's research out there but we really don't know how it works other than there is a signal that we tap into that comes from somewhere is that yes. somewhere uh, us in the future when we're getting our feedback are we actually going to the target site itself it could be any number of things where that's coming from um, Daz did have some data in his session. I think it was Daz um, talking about the implant and how it's communicating on a quantum level. So could that be interfering with what's happening with your radios when it's around you? That's that's highly possible. I don't know, but it's certainly the implant works in a very different way from anything we have. It's not like whispering uh, so right. things to me. It, it is a very, very sophisticated thing. Mm -hmm. Don, I want to come back to you now and ask about uh, your experience. Why did you, how did you come into remote viewing? Well, I guess um, uh, as I was talking about the, uh, my earlier experiences with the Ouija board and whatever, that gave me a sense of uh, something beyond, something maybe even greater than myself. Um, and through meditation, I got a stronger sense of this. It was, um, you're a meditator, Whitley. You, you yeah, know what I'm yeah. talking about. You, 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 once you experience some of this, it can almost become addictive. You 
you require it. You need it. Um, you want I it. I wouldn't do a day without it. Absolutely yeah. not. It's very much so, part of my life. So that uh, got me into this whole notion of uh, remote viewing. I guess in the uh, late 1990s, some uh, books started to come out about remote viewing. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I researched it. You know, a fledgling internet back then, you know, I was able to sort of look it up and find out that there were courses being offered, but they were beyond my means at the time. And so, fine, I had a family, let's go continue raising the kids of the family and just keep moving forward. But later on, um, the kids now are grown up, they're moving away. You know, I found a, a teacher that I could afford and I got involved with uh, the remote viewing, and uh, uh, it was what I wanted. It was like this opening your mind to something new, something something different. Information, Whitley, coming from nowhere. It's literally coming from nowhere. Um, in my remote viewing work, I get words. I don't even know what they mean. I have to look them up. Okay, this is information from nowhere. So um, some of the stuff that I handed off to Dennis for this project, I actually wrote down in the corner definitions, mm -hmm. because I didn't know what it was talking about. And in order to continue, I wrote the definition and then proceeded. So um, does this give you some idea? Well, yeah, it's interesting because, you know, the Russians have a very good remote viewing program. Mm -hmm. They don't, um, they don't, it, you can't just take a class in Russia to remote view. It's much more complicated than that. They have a very good program. I'm not aware of one in China. They may have one, but if so, it's right. very far under the surface. Mm -hmm. And these things are never discussed publicly there in either country. Right. And that I do know because I've looked into that carefully. I was very curious about how they were handling remote viewing. Mm -hmm. Of course, here in the United States, basically all you have to do is go on the internet and you find yourself a class, and if you can afford it, you can take it. And usually mm -hmm. it works, and that's very interesting, isn't it? Most people can do this, unless, like in my case, I'm blocked. I think there are, it's possible that it has something to do, it's... Like the implant is kind of overriding that part of my brain, mm -hmm. or it's something to do with the these these things. Uh, mm -hmm. Where are we? There we are. These things, and uh, <laughs> it. Uh, if so, I'm going to try it in a more formal way when I'm not here. I'm going to be right. traveling a lot now, and. When I'm well away from here and in places I'm not expected, which is usually how I travel, mm -hmm. I will try it again and see if it works. Just to see if it's it's this or something else. Okay, now let's go. Can I just on. jump in real quick, Whitley? Yeah, I just had a comment. Uh, you know, in thinking about remote viewing, uh, reading your book, The Key. Um, there was a, a piece in there that was very eye-opening for me as, as you know, years ago, I was trying to piece things together with one of my projects. And your, your guest talked about the electromagnetic sense organ that exists just above the surface of the skin. And I found that to be, you know, ties into other research, like the Heart Math Institute's research about the electromagnetic pulse wave that comes out of the heart and that communicates empathy and, and basically data. 
And I think that ties in that this what what your visitor was talking about in terms it, it's tapped into how we have these abilities. And I'm wondering if yes. your implant somehow interacts with or interferes with that electromagnetic tuning that you have. Meaning that it never goes into superposition. That's possible. Mm-hmm. Because when it's in superposition, it's when you can remote view with it and and the and the whole process of remote viewing teaching is actually mm-hmm. comes down to using techniques where you can let the information come in without right. without uh, 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 disturbing the superposition right. of that organ and and, yeah. and folks by the way the organ's not mysterious if you have right. an EEG the electroencephalogram, they're going to pick that organ up. They're going to pick those mm-hmm. signals up. How strange. Did, they, did you hear that signal? I, I, I did hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that the problem is, I don't know where it came from. <laughs> I just hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, Someone's my, saying my listeners are used to this wildness on this right. show. All kinds of strange things have happened. And, uh, as are we. I think it might have something to do with a, <laughs> with an alarm that tells me whether or not my cell phone is too far away. But there it is again. Yeah, see, it oh, did boy. think this. So, so that, but why would it think the cell phone, which anyway, let's not get sidetracked here. Um, the uh, So remote viewing uses that and and when you go into the right kind of meditative state mm-hmm. the organ is open you can use it and there are things i can do with it because you right. know you can you can change its size you can do all kinds of things with it uh if you uh if you really get used to it yeah, i mean you can what you do is you visualize it as light and then you can move it around you can move it around yourself or you can project it into other places you can do all kinds of mm-hmm. things with it it's a it is an electromagnetic organ in the truest right. sense of that word okay now don when you got this uh what do you how how does it work what do you get when you when you're starting a uh, a project what do you get you get a number Okay, this is the uh, project reference number that Dennis created that and he assigned associated mentally and physically probably typing something out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the what it was that he was looking for, but all I got all of the viewers, we just got a number. That's it. Mm-hmm. Just a number. It's, a, it's hard to believe really. Um, but yeah, from that number, you sort of take it, you write it down on your sheet of paper then you forget about it and you just start going into that mental space where you start getting i heard glass clicking glass like it was being placed on a table moving fine instruments like um very scalpels and very fine you know handwork um beakers with liquids um, you don't question this stuff, Whitley. You just, that's what I got. That's what you write down. Okay, so none of this is making up any kind of a story just yet. It's all just these diverse kind of perceptions. You just put it down. I got a sense of people being directed to a hidden location. Um, it seemed like it was underground. It was um, 
definitely Are you talking about when you removed my implant yeah oh okay yeah, yeah go ahead and uh, so um you know you just put all of this stuff down and um uh you know i i turned in my my session to dennis and um what i do is i generally do a second session um because as Dennis has already explained, your viewers can be off now and then. So I might be talking about somebody playing golf one day, and then my next session could be, you know, everything that I just described with laboratory coats and beakers and stuff like that. So yeah. they don't match up. So I'll do a third one. And then generally between the three, two of the three will, will match up. Now, in this particular case, I did two sessions and both matched each other. So I turned them into Dennis and then, you know, he came back and gave me um, something to like to look at more specifically. We're going to take a little break now for uh, so that the, some commercials can run. And I can tell you in advance, folks, the commercial will be about my new book, Them, which is also available at this point as an audio book. I know a lot of people have been waiting for that. And <laughs> so that's that's what we're into right now in unknown country and dreamland i'm already beginning to think about another book because unfortunately my writing has become a bad habit i can't stop so <laughs> any case uh, them is um, them is out there them mitch horowitz calls it in the preface among the most important interpretations of visitor phenomena since jacques valet's passport to magonia in 1969 Dr. Vallée says in his foreword, the book cites fact after fact to build the case for in-depth realignment of public policy and public need. Diana Walsh Pasulka, author of American Cosmic says, leads the way and it's best that we listen because the stakes have never been higher. EarthTech International President Hal Putoff says, them is exceedingly valuable. Leslie Kane, author of UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record, says groundbreaking in the truest sense of the word. Bigelow Aerospace VP Colm Kelleher says searing and masterful. Them, a new vision and a new way of looking at close encounter you have never read anything like them before it is the beginning of a new way of looking at our own future where are we going where have we come from what secrets have been buried what secrets have been lost what is the truth about the close encounter experience. You have never heard any of this before. Them. It's a, oh. UFO. Where'd it go? Disappeared. Them. Get it today. Available on Amazon.com. Now, but let's get back to this experience of yours. And it's interesting the way you do it, because if you concentrate 
you immediately that 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 organ we were talking about and i'm glad you brought that up dennis because i think it's a very important key here that's why one of the reasons i guess the book's called the key but yeah. um uh it goes into it it becomes part of your it it, it ceases to be in superposition and right. but if you have take the indirect approach that you're describing don you can pick up from it you're getting ready to want to say something dennis i can see I'm just nodding in agreement, Whitley. I mean, you, oh, okay. you, you do feel it coming in when you shut down. I mean, I, I can I can comment for a second, um, but you, you do. It's it's more when you're not focused specifically on what's the data, what's the data. It's you just write down your target ID number, then you sketch what's called an ideogram, and then information just comes flooding because you're relaxed and it's just yeah, open up to exactly. to come in. Yeah. So you know something I want to do when I travel. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going to be going but I'm going to be traveling next month. And at some point, Dennis or Don or whoever wants to do this in your group, I mean, it, uh, whoever wants to, I want a number and I want to see if I can remote view from, from somewhere other than this flat, because I have been trained and very well trained in remote viewing. And there was a time when I was quite a, an effective remote viewer. So, okay. I, and I, oh, I wow. feel a little That's... crippled. You know, I'd, I'd like to get it back. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put a target together for you, Whitley. Um, you know, we'll communicate okay. offline and just let me know, and I'll, I'll have everything ready to go for you, a full package, and okay. I can work it. All right, great. We'll, we'll do that in a few weeks. Awesome. Uh, and I'll report on the results here, folks. Believe me, I will report on Dreamland what the results were. Now, Don, did, was there anything different? Was there any different feel to the sessions that involved the implant something you weren't used to yeah or... okay so let me think the first session that i did was uh pretty generic in uh in my thinking in other words i was getting diverse sets of perceptions that didn't sort of like create much of a picture um i got a sense of a of a group of people traveling to a hidden location a laboratory equipment some sort of intense study with bright light and, um, but that's about all, you know, I couldn't really make any heads or tails out of it. It could be anything, um, could be a drug manufacturer, could be, you know, it could be anything. Um, I think though, in my second session, I got a sense that there was some sort of extraterrestrial life form involved because I drew a heart shaped face with eyes. So if you can think of this bevel, you know, coming around, right. And um, uh, sometimes, uh, Whitley, when you get something like this, they sort of like open a floodgate. It's like mm -hmm. that image sort of like started giving me other perceptions that I wouldn't normally think about. I mean, that figure didn't seem like it was human. And when I drew it and sketched it, you know, I was getting other sorts of things. So, um, when you say other sorts of things, what do you mean? Uh, well, I started getting words like, uh, if I, I can pull this up later, but, um, yeah, yeah I started, I, I, I had, I had words like, I think it was interdimensional, hmm. interdimensional beings. And like I looked it up and uh, as I recall, 
you know, not having the definition in front of me, but as I recall, that meant a being capable of leaving their body and working outside of their body and then migrating or moving into another body or something like that. It was like, that caught me off guard. Yeah, it did. That, uh, you know, that didn't, you know, this isn't somebody playing golf, okay? This is something out of the ordinary, out of the ordinary, let's call it that. So um, you kind of go with the flavor, all right? I was going, I was getting now this flavor of something, and it was starting to talk about beings coming from a far place, coming here, traveling here, and then, and they do this as a matter of course. This is just what they do. I mean, this is what their civilization or their science people or whatever, they just venture out. They're kind of like explorers. And when they get to a, their destination, they get in, engage in an intense study of the local life forms. None of this is making any sense to me yet. I'm just, you know, sort of like getting whatever information I can here. They're doing this intense study of these life forms. And then I'm starting to pick up that there are groups of individuals and growth. There's a group of like, there's group A and B and C and a whole series of these things. And they're all being studied in some way. Um, and in a way that I can't really, you know, tell you that much about other than I started drawing pictures of, it seemed like both non-human uh, uh, biological life forms, and then this like artificial intelligence sort of robotic life form, like they were both somehow involved in this thing. They were both observing, watching, or participating in some sort of action. And, um, uh, wow, this stuff has blown my mind. Is this answering your question? Well, you know, on the night that this happened, which is what you were remote viewing, there were two people who came into the room, but, and I've said this many times, I sensed a presence behind them that was sort of unformed. I think sensed it as an alien presence, actually. Mm -hmm. But the two people looked to me like people, the man okay. and the woman. All right. And um, so you could be picking up on that. Because, and it's interesting, too, because I've spoken so little about it. But it was definitely there. Uh, folks, I'm dying dying of allergies here. Uh, so am I. Um, I'm glad you said that. You're making me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with it. Now, we, we have uh, seven other remote viewers, Dennis. Mm -hmm. And what's happening with them at the same, at this time? Uh, well, they all while had... he's work, doing his work. You're getting right. reports from others at the same time, I assume. Yeah, this was a this was a robust target. This was one of those where I was like, "Wow, I think I might have bitten off more than I can chew right now," because just the amount of data uh, that was coming in, and then a lot of the viewers 
they really resonated with this target and they just when a viewer gets on target they just they just want to run with it so i was getting multiple sessions and multiple pages of data coming in as they're exploring um you know some of them were exploring the the technology itself um you know the the impact and how it interacts with the human mind some were exploring the the beings behind it and this grander scheme of things um, you know, so me as the, as the tasker at that point, and then the analyst looking at this information saying, okay, I've got all this information. Where do I want to send them? What do I want, what do I want them to explore further? And, and how does this whole picture tie in? So they all had these unique experiences as they were going through it. And they all reported they, they enjoyed uh, their sessions very much. I mean, sometimes you get a target and you're like, I really didn't, I didn't like this. I didn't like the energy behind it. But they all walked away with very positive feelings uh, of, of not just the sessions themselves, but the data that came back, which was very rewarding to see. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, Don, what is your impression now of what the implant does? What is your thought about that? I didn't get specific information on the implant like some of the other viewers did. I was getting this backstory about, you know, a laboratory environment and equipment and, you know, people um, working with instruments and studying something small, something maybe even microscopic. Um, but I didn't get a sense of like, you know, telepathy or communication in that sense, other than I drew a sketch of a human shoulders and head with a bright light going into it i didn't know what that meant yeah i have no idea what that meant that's very interesting because I, as you were talking uh, i was thinking how very different the implant works than we would think i mean you would think mm -hmm. that something like this would whisper instructions or control your mind or something like that but it doesn't it does a whole host of things yeah. and um the communication that it in, is engaged with that I'm aware of is now it's a, it's, I, I lost a lot of the vision in my right eye fooling around with screwing up uh, with parallel universes. And, and let me suffice to say, um, if you find yourself able to physically move into another universe, they don't want you there. Yeah. And if you keep up, they get mad. At least they did with me. So I don't do it anymore because I'd like to continue to see. They messed up my eye. Mm. And um, uh, the um, very cleverly done. And But the, the, the thing is this, that, that the, the, when the slit is open, mm -hmm. there are words racing past and I do feel a sense of something coming into my head that's like light. I feel it very indirectly. In other words, I don't feel, I don't see light, but when it's turned right. on, there does feel like there's some kind of a, some kind of a connection involving light energy, that that's what is yep. used. And Can several you... of our viewers uh, sketched exactly that, Whitley. We had, yeah. uh, I know Dad, I think Coral, Demi, um, maybe uh, even Henny, they had these drawings. Of, and what it was, it was coming out of one person's 
uh, mind or their third eye. And then there was a higher being, a larger being. And there was a telepathic communication between them is what the, what the viewers were indicating. And they were, the Demi talked about how there's multiple human minds that are connected through this device along with whatever these entities are connect and they're it's a hive mind in essence in what they're seeing but the human minds for the most part mostly just receive information the hive mind of the higher mind is able to transmit and receive and communicate amongst themselves it's as if the humans there's a limit on what they can do with it at least at this point and the overall picture behind the story that we started to weave together based on the data was that this is done for for evolutionary purposes it was a symbiotic relationship it was actually a a beautiful thing And, and i came into this not a fan of looking at like elon musk's Neuralink and the connecting like it's it scares me very much god help us (laughs) <laughs> right terrifying. but in in looking at things you know with hellfire we looked at the roswell technology and where that's going and and you know so getting these little sessions that we work on the more i see about this influence that i think might be future-based with an ai it, it looks like it's it's leading us somewhere uh to a point of growth it's not necessarily the terminator takeover that we all fear sometimes and this session particularly was was very rewarding it wasn't this scary data it was like wow this is actually uh, the viewers reported a a very beautiful caring symbiotic relationship and that was very nice to see i know what you mean because that's how it feels to me too it's uh i wouldn't trade it for anything that implant has become one of my very best friends and uh, i don't feel it as a threat in any way although that was certainly not true at the beginning. At the beginning, it was right. horrifying to have it in there. Yeah. It's just awful. And I was, I felt it was terribly claustrophobic. I felt trapped. And yeah. I kept wanting to get it out. But my wife kept insisting, no, you, 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 you figure it out before you get mm-hmm. it out. Because then yeah. you don't ever have a chance. Mm. And, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm like a, I was like a, uh, uh, I saw a, uh, uh, a video of crows that had been given collars yeah. and they were or no magpies and they were working to get the collars off of each other. And wow. I thought to myself, if I had not had any, I would not have this implant in me to this day because I would have right. gotten rid of it. And she finally consented to a single operation. And she said, mm-hmm. you have to agree with me, Whitley. Uh, this is the only time you're going to try because you should not take this out. And and so yeah. I agreed and I tried and it f- failed. It ran from here down into the bottom of my ear. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned symbiotic a few minutes ago, and it's a kind mm-hmm. of a living thing. It's not just metal or technology at all. I feel like it has a some kind of a living component, although I know it is mm-hmm. made of metal. Do either of you right. respond to that? Uh, Dennis, what do you have to say about that? I th- what our data indicated, it, there's a couple, there's a whole lot going on. And, and, and you know, the video is out there on YouTube. I encourage other people to look at it and, and use their own analysis to interpret it. So this is just my opinion of what the data says. Um, but it sounds like it's a combination of technology and some kind of biomass um, to make yes, this work. It is. And the device itself, I believe, uh, again, based on the data, is intelligent and intelligently designed, but not necessarily sentient. 
but the minds behind it that interact with it are uh, that that can help it with that communication piece. Don, I don't know if you had a different experience in, in I, your perception. You know, it's difficult to articulate some of this stuff, but yeah. honestly, I felt like um, I was dealing with something that bordered on both physical and spiritual. Yes. It was uh, in the sense that, okay, if you, I think one of the words that I wrote down in my session was these beings had a holistic mm -hmm. a mindset, holistic attitude. And I had to look that up. And it meant, you know, all encompassing, um, you know, not just your everyday, you know, life, but, you know, the great beyond. What's, what's beyond this? And I got a sense that this device was sort of like operated on from higher mentalities that somehow can manipulate physical matter into a usable form that beings having a physical body can take advantage of. But it's got this hierarchical kind of um, um, involvement. Whitley, does this make any sense at all? Yeah, it does, uh, because there's a, there's a real sense of the presence of a person <laughs> with the, um, with the uh, implant. In other words, I don't feel alone in here. I feel that there's, this may be very small, but it's, 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 it, it has a sense of personhood about it. It's very mm. palpable. I feel that pretty strongly. And I once had this peculiar dream about the implant during the time I wanted to get it removed and it it was desperately clinging to life it did not want to be removed mm. and I thought it felt like I was murdering somebody by doing wow. that and when when the surgery was taking place I, I was I felt that again I felt like I would murder somebody and it was a very odd feeling because you don't think of a thing like this. You think it's a little piece of technology, some kind of radio. Right. I mean, it seems connected to these, uh, to these radios. And, uh, and yet it's still, it seems like a living being. And Don, mm -hmm. it, it, uh, did anyone get that sense of its life uh, at all? I think you did, Don, didn't you? Well, that sketch where I had the human figure and this bright light kind of like going into the, into the skull, I felt that that represented kind of like the spirit or something like the spirit entering into or, you know, something from the spiritual realm entering into a physical body. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, again, that's how it feels to me too. And Coral, uh, it was uh, Darby, Dimmy, uh, and I think Henny, they described this as, as almost like a mini brain. Um, and then Coral had this beautiful description. She was talking about, you know, referencing like fairy realms, but she described these tiny little almost particulate size um, life forms that were more spiritual and, and you know, etheric uh, that were involved with this. Or it could have been the device itself that, that Coral's, you know, conscious mind was trying to interpret. A real intelligence there. Um, behind this that that uh you know wanted to be there and, and again had that that balanced symbiotic relationship did 
anyone or Don, you personally pick up anything about the why of the implant, why it's there? Well, you know, I had mentioned I got this backstory. You know, I'm looking at it here. It was sort of like um, it didn't explain why you got the implant. It sort of explained sort of the the rationale that went into, you know, working with this thing. It was like these bio-enhanced ET life forms, you know, that you know, doing a terrestrial life study. And um, at some point, their efforts became uh, a collaboration with the human population, possibly with the governments of the of the planet. And, uh, and, um, and they, the human involvement have their own interests in this project. Um, something about maybe space travel or um, um, military interests. But then there was this other aspect where I got a sense that this data was not just held on this planet. It was mm -hmm. sent back. And why was it being sent back? Because there's some concern um, about mass extinction. Again, here, I'm yeah, writing... There's a big concern about mass extinction here <laughs> because not everybody lives on planets like this, but we do. Right. And our planet can be very testy. Uh, yeah. Like right now, the core of the planet has stopped rotating, according to mm -hmm. uh, scientists. And what the consequences of that will be, I don't know. But it, but the fact is that it once it's not rotating anymore, it puts stresses on all of the layers above it. And mm -hmm. there is a book uh, I've mentioned in another show recently called The Adam and Eve Story, which is basically a story about crustal shift uh, that was mm -hmm. picked up and classified by the national, by right. the uh, CIA. Hapgood's work, uh, I think. No, it's not Hapgood's work. It's someone else. No? Okay. Later than, it probably draws on Hapgood. Okay. But they, they classified large parts of this book. Mm -hmm. And I thought that it was perhaps because they don't want people to know that an extinction event is, is nigh because it'll, it'll, wreck society and wreck social order completely oh it wouldn't with me i wouldn't do anything different than what i'm doing now except right. perhaps run <laughs> but of right. course right. We're, we're like an ant <laughs> on an orange we can run and run and run we don't go anywhere on earth um <laughs> now it, it, was there any sense dennis from any of the remote viewers mm -hmm. of a of something frightening or hostile connected with this I, we didn't get any, uh, well, it's frightening in the sense of this is something that's happening that's scary that we don't understand, which I think is by design. Um, yeah. But I didn't get anything like this, and, and, and I don't mean that in a sinister way. I think, um, as you've articulated very well, that fear is necessary for growth. And the theme that I was seeing with the viewers that touched on this was that this was this was designed to help to humanity to grow in a certain way um and what's curious is it reminds me the hellfire group looked at uh if you're familiar with the skinwalker ranch we did a target looking at what they call the hitchhiker effect how people go to skinwalker and then they come home and things follow yeah. their homes so we looked at that mechanism and i remember the session that i did 
uh, and it was very similar data. And what I was sketching was a seed being planted in the mind by of one person. And then that seed then grows and changes this person. It was like a shamanic journey, right? They grow mm. and they have this new wisdom. Yeah. And then they put that information out very slowly, but then that seed turns it into an entire garden. And then the gardeners oh, wow. are kind of harvesting. Their, it was a beautiful session. And, and so seeing the themes coming through in this with the implant, it seems very similar to that seed where it's, it's, I mean, think about the story that you've told over the years, take the, are ETs real? Are they not? Are the visitors real? Are they not? What your story forced your readers to do is to grow, to face the possibility that, Oh my gosh, this is horrifying. This could be real. You're changed. And you think about the world in a different way at that point. So I think that's a big piece of what's happening. Why we have some of us have some awareness of this, and some of us talk about this because, to those that follow, it, it changes our perception, it expands our universe. Yeah. So it it it, it it's an agent of change, n- mm-hmm. no question about that. And agents of change always feel dangerous, sometimes yeah. because they are dangerous, and sometimes because they. The, the, we 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 are we don't understand them and they're very intimate yeah. and very very aggressive and they can feel dangerous when they're not yeah. um so don how long you've been you've been doing remote viewing for a while do any sessions stand out and this is not about it's about you it's not about dreamland any sessions stand out in your life that are particularly haunting to you or very much in the front of your memory because they were so important? Well, I've done a lot of interesting sessions and there have been many interesting anecdotes. Uh, Just to say one, for example, um, I did one session on a target and um, uh, my teacher looked at it and he said, I don't have to look at your session anymore in the front page because your scribble on the front page was the target. I drew, I drew something that looked like, I don't know, some big blob coming out of a splash of water. And the target was a whale jumping out of the water by a riverboat. And somebody had captured a movie of it and put it up on YouTube. All right. So, um, I thought that was pretty interesting, but, uh, quite honestly, this target was extremely interesting, like Dennis was talking about. We all felt very uplifted about it. Um, I did. I felt like I had a better sense of of this holistic mindset or whatever it is that we're in, that, you know, this holistic attitude. You know, we're, there's more than just us and walls and floors and whatever. There's stuff going on, all kinds of stuff, maybe yeah. even beings in the same physical space that we are just not aware of, maybe clouds of mental energy that just migrate mm-hmm. and move through physical matter. I don't know what. But to answer your question directly, I did a session once on something that I lost. I thought it might have been in my house, but I wasn't sure. And when I, I read... I was there. I think I remember that. Uh, when, uh, when I went th- through that session, first, you don't understand these things. You know, you look at the words that you wrote and you wonder, hey, you know, that sounds like that thing over there. And then I l- looked at what it was saying, and it was said um, something about... Um, Winner is likely. 
Well, that particular cabinet had a piece of painted glass on there where there were cards and dice on there, and uh, it had 7 and 11 on the dice, and it had a, uh, a straight flush painted in cards that I never paid attention to. And uh -huh. it, it said that in my session, and then it started moving around other parts in my room, describing things that I owned that I never that I never called them that. I, it, you know, I have like an exercise board that it called a equilateral, not a triangle, an mm -hmm. equilateral. And that thing is just, you know, this, this sloped platform with, mm -hmm. with no bottom to it. And, and then there was something about Kodak, something Kodak. And there was, and 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 uh, something about a a box, and I realized I had a box in my bookshelf that was a box of negatives my dad gave me. That they were all Kodak development films. <laughs> okay, it's like that's um, fascinating. The way yeah, that when you when you when you see this stuff happening, I felt like wow, this thing is like a ghost. It just sort of moves yeah. around and, um, and it gathers information and it will describe it to you in a way that's different from the way you think. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing with remote viewing that is, I find the most interesting is you're learning to speak a new language in a way. Yeah, absolutely. Dennis, uh, overall, mm -hmm. the implant after having read all of the responses, what if someone came to you and said to you, we'll put an implant like this in you? Would you say yes or no? That's a, that's a tough one. Um, yeah, it sure at is. This, at, at this point, and, and I don't say this as a, a negative on what you have, I don't know that I'm ready for that. Um, I'm at a stage in my own intuitive and psychic development where I'm, I'm growing a lot right now with, as far as I know, Whitley, cause I've had some experiences. I could have some tech in me. Uh, I've, I've got some stories for another day, but, um, as far as I know, uh, I, am not aware of anything like that in me. Um, mm -hmm. so I don't want to, at this point, alter the course that I'm on yeah. um, with what I can do. Well, that's exactly how I felt when I first had it in me. I was just frantic right. to get it out of me. Mm. Yeah, Don, what's your response to the same question? That um, is a very interesting question. I mean, like, boy, my mind is all over the place on that one. Um, I guess. Okay, let me back up a little bit. I have been, you know, hearing mental conversations during meditation. Uh, some of this, I think, plays out in my remote viewing work where I get these words that I don't even know what they are and have to look up. Okay, it seems like I've developed that a little bit because I was trying to hear more and more, better and better, what the words were being said. And this is going to sort of mess this whole topic up a little bit. But at one point, they said that I should be able to see stuff on my screen. And I said, uh -huh. what screen? And they said, don't you have a screen like that you can see above your like uh, above your eyes into your forehead? And I said, no. 
And they said, oh, you're blind. And I was like, how should I feel about that? I mean, you know, what, what, what's going on here? Are, are we talking about like a culture that has this and it's so like common denominator that like anybody that doesn't have this should have one? I and, think uh, that might be true. Yeah. So yeah. to answer your question, if I could have what they were talking about, the answer would be yes. I'd want that. I'd want that screen. I'd want yeah. to be able to get that information. Now, um, uh, Don, you you mentioned before we started the show that you were interested in, um, and you've mentioned this in email too, that when you meditate, there are knockings and things like that, mm -hmm. that uh, sort of spirit knocks and you elaborate a little bit about on that uh, on that and i know that there are some similarities between what you're experiencing and what i experience all right so let me uh, wander my way into this first first of all i did the sessions with dennis and we turned those in and and you know i had read the communion book years ago everybody had seen the movie so that was years ago and but after i did this remote viewing session based on the uplifting feelings that I was getting out of my own session work and what it was talking about and how these beings were coming from other places and studying life and, you know, sort of worried about mass extinction and, you know, looking for solutions. And um, I started watching your YouTube videos, uh, your stand-up lectures. And um, when you started talking about, and this is a point that a lot of people are just not going to, pay any attention to you were saying yeah you know i need to do that meditation at night because if i don't do it the visitors will wake me up and they use all sorts of creative ways to do that <laughs> they do indeed and then you went in through a small list of things they might tap my shoulder they might uh, dry kiss on the cheek and i was like no way no way because I've experienced every one of those things, and I sent you a list of additional things that yes, uh, I've experienced. <laughs> All right, and um, uh, just to 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 say a few words about those, um, I've had um, in the middle of uh, the night, it seemed like a light would pop on in the middle of my dream sleep, total darkness, move around like a flashlight, and then I'd hear the words, he's fine, next patient. And then mm. the light would go out. <laughs> What's strange. that? What was that? Right. Okay. Um, uh, now, this was in the middle of the, the COVID era. Now, you know, getting back into this holistic thing, right? I'm starting to believe like there are energies or entities or, you know, mental you know, collections of energies we can't see, but they're trying to do their good thing. They're trying to like help life in whatever way they can. Yes. And I believe that that's what I encountered on that particular mm -hmm. evening. I tried to engage it Whitley in a conversation mentally, telepath you know, using telepathy. I said, 
oh, please don't go. I, yeah, I want to hear you talk some more. Yeah. <laughs> when you say talk, what do you mean? Mental conversation as in telepathy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. And um, I because. I have that a lot too. Okay. Yeah, this right. is why I wanted to talk to you because please tell me, uh, are, are we doing the same thing here? I think to a degree we are, and I'll tell you when it started with me it was pretty much after my wife died, and I think in fact it is my wife. I think mm -hmm. it's Anne, and I think she's yeah. here with me all the time. Listeners on the free side, this is where we leave you. We'll see you next week, and don't forget to take a look at them. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander. <laughs>